Welcome to The Follow-Up, a podcast by Coram Deo Church. In this podcast, we break down the truths of Sunday's sermon and make them applicable to your everyday life. What is up, everyone? My name is Billy Glosson. I am the lead pastor of Coram Deo Church, and with me is Deacon Michael Tooley. How's it going? Um, We are looking back at this past Sunday's sermon. We were in Mark chapter 14, and we had Aaron Ferguson of Karis Church, uh, one of our sending churches from Columbia, Missouri, uh, bringing the word to us. And and this is what we read from Mark 14. Mark 14, verse 1. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to them, themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. So looking at this uh, pretty well-known passage, again, this is one that we see uh, pop up in all the Gospels. Um, It's it's an account that Jesus himself says will be told any time the Gospel is proclaimed. Really the thing that sticks out that we kind of want to talk about today is this idea of, of devoted worship. And Danny Aiken has a quote where he says, the world and sadly many in the church will never have a problem with moderate measured devotion to Christ. Um, that, that can kind of be the way that we tend to look at ourselves, right? It's, it's cool to love Jesus as long as we kind of keep it down to a pretty chill, palatable way. But, but this kind of reckless, or, I mean, that's kind of a fun word to use, right? But this kind of intense, really strong mm-hmm. love for Jesus, like everything I have, it doesn't make sense in the eyes of the world, is not something that we typically, you know, well, yeah, want to get excited about. We want to be relevant, right? We want to, and a lot of times I think, I think that word, I think it's, you know, rightly dying away. Um, but I feel like for a little while it was a, a really nice, um, self-justification in disguise for Christians to say, well, I, I want to be relevant. Like I want to, I want to share the gospel, but I want to do it in a, in a way that doesn't, you know, just rub people the wrong way, you know, or, or like, I don't want them to just be closed off to the gospel. So I have to be relevant. Yeah. You know? We we've, ch- we've traded the word relevant for contextualization. Sure. Um, and so usually what we want to do and, and what I mean by that is contextualization is important, right? It's something we see happen in the new Testament in particular, Paul talks about, being all things to all men, we see him specifically doing this where he goes um, in Mars Hill and goes to the court and, and, and speaks to the, all the scholars of the day and age and, and is there sharing who, who God is and what he has done through Jesus. But there's a difference between doing that and then contextualizing the gospel 
out, right? Where we're not actually sharing who Jesus is and what he's done and really seeing that transforms our life, transform our lives. So when we look at this account, Michael, man, man, how can we worship like this woman, this woman who seems to be completely and totally <laughs> in love with Jesus in such a way that she's willing to give something to him that is of great cost. How can we worship sincerely like that? Yeah, I think it, I think it's a matter of like kind of asking yourself the question, you know, what am I holding back? What is it, you know, in the, in the story, she breaks this jar of expensive stuff and it's like, what is it in my life that I'm valuing so highly that I'm, I'm holding to, I'm clinging to. And for, for a lot of us, I mean, for me, what hit me is, is like, that whole relevance thing, that pride that, uh, I want people to think highly of me. And so am I, you know, not just, not just worship in private and like kind of what we talked about on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's easy to like throw on a worship song in your car and belt it out until you notice somebody looking at you at a red light, you know, and you have this moment of genuine worship. But like, what about like when you're at work and people bring up Christianity or they bring, there's these gospel moments, these opportunities, like, am I holding back my worship from Jesus in those moments out of fear or out of some, cause that's the thing that strikes me about this is like, this was a very public act that she did. Right. And it's just this outpouring. And so I think um, even asking the other question of like, what is it that we want from Jesus? You know, cause he talked about it on Sunday, Aaron mentioned that the disciples wanted a good reputation and that's exactly what I, I felt, you know, but she just wanted to worship Jesus. Yeah. And, and so it's just like, man, I think stopping and kind of having those wake up calls and saying like, you know, is the Lord beautiful to me or is he useful to me? Yeah. I think that's the, the dichotomy that we have to live in. Is is he beautiful or is he useful? We, we get this culturally. Like we love this idea. I think of in particular during the pandemic, we're stuck at home, we're watching TV and my wife, one of her favorite shows is the classic sitcom from the nineties friends. You may hate it. That's fine. But I think of the very last episode, if you haven't seen it, it's been a long time. You're on your own. Um, so you know, Rachel is going to fly away and Ross is like, I can't let this happen. I have to profess my love for her. Buys a ticket, goes to the gate and is there to like kind of do what seems really foolish to chase after someone that he loves and cares for. We love that. We love stories like that. Seeing people just with this absolute, like, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it takes. I want to profess my love for this person. And that seems to make so much sense to us. We get so wrapped up into it. But when it comes to Jesus, we're always kind of like, I don't, that's a little much, you know? But but the reality is, if anything, man, I hope and pray the last two years have shown us over and over continually that nothing in this world satisfies. Right. There's nothing in this world that can offer you peace, comfort, and hope. But Jesus can. I just saw this... Uh I just saw this quote from Jared C. Wilson, something along those lines that said, the beauty of it is that it's it's not a matter of like trying harder. It's a matter of simply abiding with Jesus. Yeah. And so I think even as it's easy to hear this and be like, and we do this all the time with scripture where we compare ourselves to like the quote unquote good guy or the quote unquote bad guy in mm-hmm. the story. And the reality is, is like everybody that's not Jesus in the Bible is the bad guy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and so what? What the good news about it is is like if you 
are questioning and you're going, man, I am holding back. I am scared around my coworkers to mention Christ. I am scared to talk about my faith or the hope that I have. Or maybe it's Sunday morning and I want to lift my hands and express worship that's not held back, but I'm, I'm worried about what people are going to think about me. And now you're hearing that and you're like, I do feel that. Now I feel guilty. It's like, okay, well, that's not the answer either. Right. Man, look to Christ. Yeah. Look at Jesus. That's what's happening with this woman. She is seeing him for who he is. Yeah. And that's her response. She's not focused on herself or her downfalls, which is the disciples. They're like constantly focused on like, well, what do, are we doing something wrong? And this lady is not worried about any of that. She just sees Christ and she's like, he's worthy of worship. Yeah. And there's, there's kind of like what you said makes me think of the context of the passage. Jesus is kind of coming out of this really intense moment. He has just been kind of sparring with all of the religious leaders of the day. He's just given this really intense pronouncement that the temple will be destroyed. He's talked about his return, all of this stuff. And it now leads to this moment where there's a lot of tension there's people who want Jesus dead. The disciples are concerned because, again, they have political regimes in their head. They have all of this stuff. Everything is kind of scattered and all over the place. And then here's this woman who sees Jesus for who he really is. And she's willing to give whatever it takes to show adoration and praise. And it makes me think of the song that we've been singing the last few weeks, Behold Him. Um, if we want to get to a place of that, it's not simply mustering up the strength, right? It's not simply trying hard enough, doing all the things. It's actually beholding who Jesus is. Right. And that's so, 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 so significant that we would actually love, worship, and behold him. So, so Michael, how have you beheld Jesus? Hmm. I think I experience moments of, you know, worship like this where it's not held back. And then I go back and forth with that and, you know, being fixated on my own, my own issues, my own problems, my own shortcomings. But yeah, it's only those moments when I, I've been able to take a step back, be still and know that he is God and reflect on the gospel, <laughs> reflect on the good news that, that like makes change happen. And it, it, it cultivates that response of worship. Yeah. There's a quote from, uh, a book that I deeply love called You Are What You Love. And he's actually quoting a, a French poet where it says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men together wood, divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. I think that's part of the problem is that we want to, especially in a podcast format like this, where we're talking about applying the sermon. We want specific set, give me what to do. Here's a pile of wood, put the nails here, you pull up the mast here, but instead, if we point our eyes to the sea, we'll do everything we can to build the boat, right? All, all that stuff just becomes second nature. And friends, that's what we would encourage for you is to behold Jesus, abide in him. There, there are all kinds of practices that we've shared in the podcast and sermons. Um, man, there's so many resources, but like go to the gospels. If you don't even know where to turn, like go to God, the gospel of John and just walk with Jesus. Behold him for who he is and what he's done. And it can begin to stir your heart to let go of things, right? The, the hymn writers say, in the light of this world will grow strangely dim, right? Because we behold the glory of his grace. That's what we need to do, friends. 
So as we come to a close on this episode, a resource that I'd point you guys to is one that we've been pushing a lot lately, and it's the book Gentle and Lowly. If you already have a copy, fantastic. Um, go ahead and jump back in. If you've kind of strayed from the reading, that's fine. It's a short book. Just catch up when you can. But if you don't have a copy, we got plenty at the resource area um, on Sunday. So if you want to snag one, grab a copy, grab a copy for your friend. We'd love for people to get that resource because, again, it's a book about the heart of Jesus. And when we behold his heart, man, our hearts can't but can't help but want to overflow in worship for who he is and what he's done. So that's what we have this week. We're thankful for you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for listening to the follow-up. You can find more of our podcasts online anywhere you find podcasts. Stitcher, Apple, anywhere. To learn more about Corum Deo, check out our website, corumdeonc.com, or follow us on social media at corumdeonc.com.